Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast, bringing you heartwarming and real conversations with teachers on the front line of education from across the country. I am Karen Sarah Watson, and I am a teacher. This podcast is for those who want to better understand the experiences of today's teachers. Come join us. Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to have two teachers all the way from Nantucket Island. Um, today, we have Samantha Turcott and Kim Albertson. So tell me about yourselves. Kim, tell me about what you teach and, you know, all about Nantucket. Sure. Um, came to Nantucket in 92 and started teaching right away. I was a sub and then I had a classroom. I worked with a special needs preschool population, so I did a lot of identification of early um, childhood um, situations and moved kids into the public school, loved it. We have a program called Pathways and um, we were very fortunate that we were backed by a lot of people in the community. So I did that for a long time with a partner until for like 28 years and this year I moved into administration, kind of a funny year to move up, but I'm uh, the, currently the assistant principal. Excellent. So tell me about yourself, Samantha. Um, I'm a first grade special education teacher. I've been on Nantucket for two years. I moved here for the teaching job from Worcester, Mass, where I worked in a town called Shrewsbury. So. Great. So tell me, um, obviously, I, I live in, in New York City, so it's very different here. Tell me about what, what is it like to teach on an island? Um, I would love to hear about what your class sizes are like and just you know since both of you have come from other places what is that like for you um i the biggest shock to me moving to nantucket was how diverse it is which is incredible i came from worcester which was extremely diverse and coming to nantucket i didn't know what to expect and you know every classroom is filled with kids of all different needs and they come from different backgrounds as well. So that was surprising and really incredible. And about what is a class size for you? Um, around 20 students. 20, for, 20 students. Um, yeah, for the classroom teachers. And so this year I have a caseload of 11 students. You have 11 students. That's I do, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> how, That's, many, how, many, how many kids are in the school? Kim? In our, in our elementary school, we have 405. District-wide, we have about 1,700. Great. So Kim, tell me about your experience with going from teaching to being an administrator. Yeah. Um, so when I first started teaching, our numbers were really low. You know, um, our classroom sizes in the elementary school would top at about 15. And then as they incrementally went up, the high school had small classes of like four to seven, and now classes are pretty much averaging about 20 to 22 in the lower grades. And the high school offers a lot of things, but um, they're still remaining between that 10 and 15. I piggyback on what Samantha was saying. Um, I actually have two girls who went through our public school system and are in college now. And I felt really grateful that um, when one of mine who is in her first year of college, when she was in first grade, it was the first year we had 10 non-English speaking children in one grade level. Now we have, um, you know, we're close to like 47 to 51% non-English speakers in our school. 
So I mean, I think that's, that's amazing because Mm -hmm. you would never, I I didn't know that Mm -hmm. Nantucket, you look at Nantucket and you think, well, there's doesn't seem to be a lot of diversity there. So it's really great to hear that. Mm -hmm. It's phenomenal. And I feel like they, and people come from all around, like we have an Eastern European group. We have a Jamaican group. We have a Hispanic group. We have so many different cultures, Uh, Thai, uh, Nepalese and Mm -hmm. Uzbek we have so many different cultures that are represented. And I, I think that in and of itself has been a fabulous education for a lot of our kids. So you are an administrator. So my cur- I'm curious how you guys are supported as teachers. Now you are now an administrator, so you have to support your teachers too. How do you both feel about the support you've gotten being teachers on the island? Um, during this time, more than ever, a, a lot of support. Um, I've had a lot of help from Kim personally. I've had to conduct several IEP meetings during this virtual crazy time. Um, you know, and I, we have a principal and Kim as well. They've both been available to my texts, emails, calls, um, kind of giving us the emotional support more than anything that we needed. So that's kind of eased me personally into this crazy time more. And so what has it been like for you during this time, Kim? Um, yeah, it's been really busy. Uh, <laughs> I, I always, as an educator in our district, felt very supported by the community, families, and administration. So I always felt like it was a really good match for me. Um, I felt always heard, and I always felt like there was good research behind what we were doing. Then moving into administration, I really took it on as sort of that bigger challenge of being able to listen, research, and be available. I think during this time, I've been so incredibly impressed with um, teachers who were absolutely terrified of technology going into this, who have risen to the occasion, and that's been awesome. But for me, I have been on call probably every minute of the day since it started. Right. <laughs> so, so do your um. So we had a we had some issue, a lot of issues in New York with um technology and getting technology to students. How has that been for you? Incredible. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we have this incredible tech staff that's been yeah. unbelievably on top of it. And fortunately, our district is one to one from third grade up. We've made it from second grade up. They all have devices, and our kindergarten and first graders. You know, developmentally, a device keyboard isn't really the best, but um, they all either have gotten an iPad or a Chromebook, and we're really, that has really been a strength for us right now. Right. So tell me um, some of the challenges, Samantha, what are some of the challenges that that it's been being online as opposed to teaching in person? Um, So for my population, um, my students have a range of disabilities and needs, and it was at first, they didn't understand what was going on. You know, it was new for me as well, and kind of that explaining. And we would just have before we kind of jumped into curriculum and lessons. It was a lot of FaceTime, you know, from mom's cell phone, and just seeing each other, and just saying, "I miss you, I miss you." And then it was, you know, okay, how can I teach these kids who I'm usually uh, hand hand over hand with, you know, we're close to each other. We're, you know, doing things right, right there together. How am I gonna do that? You know, in totally different places virtually. So it was kind of figuring out what would work, what didn't work. And it was 
reinventing the wheel every single day. Some days, you know, that my, my kids would be totally engaged with one thing and the next day it was like, <laughs> they were, they were off. So for both of us, it was a lot of figuring it out. Yeah. yeah. What is the retention, like in terms of kids showing up for live instruction, how is that for you? Were kids um, showing up? Yeah, mine has been pretty incredible. So each of my students, I see um, two times a week for 30 minutes individually and then in a small group. And it's been really amazing. I had a recent little bit of a lull because families started going to work. So it was, um, you know, they were trying to find childcare. So trying to, you know, I'm trying to text babysitters to get them online and there was a bit of a dip, but you know, my, I got to give it to the parents and families and caretakers because, you know, our students are so young, they have no access to this without the parents. We've relied so heavily on caregivers that, yeah, we're really, I'm really thankful for them. Yeah, I teach, um, I, I teach theater to elementary school kids. So it's like, it is all parents and you see, and you yeah. can see when you're, when you're on screen, you're watching the parents do things like they're just, they're trying to cook breakfast for them and they're trying to totally. clean up the place and the kids are like right there on the screen. So yep, I've had to have a number of talks with parents about you got to let them struggle. Like, you know, they're trying to tell them in the back and I'm like, listen, that is so incredibly hard, you know, for me as a teacher too. I'm like, his brain's going, he can do it. You got to give him time when they want right. to kind of tell him that's his cat. <laughs> and I'm like, right. yeah, great. But so I've had to have those talks with parents as well. But the parents have been really supportive. They've been there. incredible. And they've, you know, expressed how appreciative they are of us, which has been great. Our, I've always had a great relationship with families. You know, I, I make that really important and it's just grown stronger. It's awesome. So Kim, I want to hear about you. So as an administrator, you we were hit with COVID and all of a sudden you are now supposed to run a school in this. So tell me how, what the challenges were and how you dealt with those challenges. Um, initially, I think after like the first two and a half, three weeks, I would end my day and think like, I just got to get through one day without having a teacher cry because it was it was a huge leap. Um, things that we've really tried to encourage are connecting with each other um, as teachers, as well as making those family connections. Because in the beginning, when we really didn't know what we were doing, we worked really hard to get the family engagement. And it took a little bit to start up. Um, but then once it was kind of with us, we felt really great about it. I felt like we leaned on our counselors. We have a, we have two guidance counselors and a social worker for our building. And, um, I feel like they were tasked with really reaching to the families that were having kids not show up because we were gravely concerned about social emotional learning, um, and how their mental health was being impacted by this. It's, it's everywhere. And then we sort of tried to start getting a little bit creative. Um, for example, Kim Kubish, our principal, was really um, excited. We did a parade. And I think there were like 70 cars and we drove through the town. And it was like right, we drove through neighborhoods of kids on Nantucket. And it was right at the time where we were all sort of hitting the wall, like the fourth weekend where we were like, holy cow, the mandate is we're closed for good now. And what are we going to do? And so it was a great boost. So I feel like we've tried to, every like three-ish weeks, try to do something to give us all that boost that we're really still here. We're really able to do things. And 
um, we are connected. I think the connectivity has been the biggest struggle for me because I'm kind of a social person and I really like being amongst everyone. And I love the team aspect of hearing, seeing, doing, and practicing together. So being online, it's tricky and it takes twice the amount of time. And so we all have to like, I think that was another piece, like not only getting through a day without not having someone cry, um, because we're sliding back into that as we're going through another transition out into the summer. We certainly are seeing a slide in attendance with families being able to go back to work with phase two. And um, and so there's, there is that reality that we've got to face. And it happens in June anyway. But um, I'm kind of there again. So I'm hoping that um, things we can do something to make it sort of end with a big bang. So what are, what are you hearing right now about what's going to happen next year? I definitely think we'll probably be doing some version of a hybrid. Um, we're just waiting for um, continued guidance to hear what really that will look like. Certainly as a school we're working at trying to um, make sure it happens because we, we so strongly feel we've got to be seeing the kids and we've got to be seeing each other to make it successful and feel um, because we've lost that connection. That COVID slide or COVID slowdown has really, really hit us. And we need to get back, be able to assess where we're all at and go forward. I think that the hybrid will look um, different in different districts. We could possibly be doing a couple days um, in a couple days out or a week on a week off. We're just really waiting for that. And it's so interesting that the guidelines come out. Uh, I know they come out daily, but it feels like hourly. We're getting a new directive on what to do, right. but for right. sure a hybrid connection. Um, we won't be fully remote. Um, I think our district is committed to being hybrid as long as Nantucket can keep the curve really flat. How is it going out in Nantucket now with, with COVID? Fantastic. I think we've done a great job. It's, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next four weeks as like people from all over the globe are now here and which is great. Many of us thrive on having them here and our, and businesses of our friends are all um, relying on that, but it does take a little bit of the responsibility away from the year round people who sort of shut down and really ended things. I believe right. we're only up to 15 cases. We go for long stretches with none. Right. Um, we recently had one. So I think we were like at a 15 day mark and then had one. And so now we're um, on the climb again on zero. Well, that's great that, that I mean, I, I just visited this weekend and I think that you guys are doing a great job really keeping safe and keeping everybody safe out there. So I'm also curious right now, because we're obviously right in the middle of the George Floyd protests, and I'm curious how, you know, as teachers you're dealing with that, and as a community, how you're dealing with the Black Lives Matter movement, and what's happening in this, in this moment in the world. Um, we recently had, I, I think it was last week, uh, a high school student organized protest um, you know, where we all gathered in our cars with our masks and we all met in a field and these students spoke and it was incredible and beautiful and peaceful and really well organized. Um, and it was just something we needed. It was incredible how well done it was and how our community was able to come together and be so peaceful and understanding. It's 
you know, I think our community is so unique that we were able to handle it in a way that other places couldn't. It's great. Agreed. I, I think we have such a diverse population that I think that there's a little bit more awareness. But as far as teaching, I feel like there's so much that we need to learn and do. Um, it certainly opens up more conversations and it stretches some people um, to have those conversations. And I, you know, we're, we have a book club going for teachers that's sort of heavily focused on um, that right now. And we created a, a Padlet that's called Teaching Race. And it's sort of like a dumping ground right now for teachers who can't really kind of embrace what's going on in the rest of the world because we feel like we're doing it. That said, though, our teaching staff is not diverse. Um, our children are, but our teaching staff is not. And that's where I feel like this is really a good moment for us to work together as teachers and administration to really sort of polish that and really recognize it and have hard conversations because it, it needs to happen. So, yeah. but I think Nantucket in general is doing a great job, but um, mm -hmm. because we are diverse, but there's interesting, as you know, there's so much work to be done. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think that's interesting. Do you feel that the kids who um, are affected most by this are, are being heard? Do they feel that their voices are being heard also? Um, I feel like the bonus of sort of the initial protest out here was it was led by high school kids. And so that was extremely powerful for our community to know that the children, even though they're mm -hmm. 17, 18, um, are leading it and they're doing it with such grace and mm -hmm. with such um, smart um, thinking. Interesting, that's great. Um, so the other thing I wanted to find out from you is, is about what about teacher retention? Do, do, do people tend, because it's an island, do people tend to leave a lot? Do you, um, or do you have staff that have, have been there for a long time? What is that like? Uh, well, I, so I moved here blindly. Um, you know, I'd never visited and I came and now, you know, people back home ask me all the time. So like, when are you gonna come home? I'm like, nope, this is it. I love wow. it here. You know, I've really dug my my heels and I'm comfortable here. That being said, it's my second year and I've seen teachers that start with me. I've already come and gone, but then, you know, some of my best friends are teachers that have been here for half their lives or their whole lives. So Kim, and what sure about you can't more of it. Certainly yeah. turn up, certainly turnover. Part of it is affected by housing. Um, Housing is yes. such a critical issue up here that, that yeah. oftentimes that's it. Um, it also takes like Samantha certainly has sand in her shoes, but not everybody can take the sand in their shoes and keep it. So um, I feel like um, we we do have a group of young, dynamic, great teachers that are staying here, but it's really hard to live here if you are having housing issues mm -hmm. and if you're not quite um, for example, many teachers in Massachusetts, you have five years to get your master's and to get your full license. And if you're having to do a master's program and live here, um, it's expensive. And so trying to continue your schooling so that you are fully licensed in a state is tricky. So sometimes people go and come back. Um, 
but um, we're sort of in the end of a, a group of teachers that have been with us for a long time. I'm, I'm sort of in that bracket. After the 25th year, you kind of fall in that like, whoa, I'm in the veteran league. Um, but we do have a lot of people sort of moving to retirement and specifically in this time in life, people are looking at it. So tell me about the housing crisis out there. What is, what's going on with that? Because I, 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 you know, of course, being a teacher, I feel like teachers should be the number one priority <laughs> in terms of housing. So what, what is the deal? Um, I remember when I, you know, I, I said yes to this position immediately and they were like, all right, there's this girl, she's going to be your mentor. And, you know, luckily this girl, Lauren Murray, who is now my, you know, one of my best friends, my savior, she was like, all right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to post on Facebook. I'm going to send a text out. And I'm like, what? Like, this was all totally new. So I remember going on the Facebook group and saying, you know, listen, I'm a teacher. I need housing. Um, I have a cat. And I remember people saying, oh, good luck, you know, kind of scoffing at me. You're, oh, good luck finding housing with a pet. You know, and I end up finding um, another teacher who also has a cat and, you know, she owns the house. So I lucked out, but it is. It, is, it, is, there the school, no... are, is the school, I mean, are, is the community doing anything for teacher housing? Like, are they, I mean, honestly? Not really. Um, we do have the Nantucket Education Trust owns the cow pond housing, which is like right below the football field. And then there's a couple other buildings that the district owns, but typically we look at putting administrators in there. There have been a couple of, um, or like administrator type people, for example, like a math coach or um, your directors of specialties might be in some of those housing short term for like a two or a three year stint and then move out because you've been here for two or three years. So now it's time you've made your connections and you can go probably have connections enough to find housing, but no, there isn't. Um, there, as you know, there's been movement on island for different um, housing potential, but it's, 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 a, it's a concern and it's not going away um, because the rent is extremely high. It's really hard on a first year salary mm -hmm. to find something that you can stay in and feel comfortable in. What are you guys doing about it? I mean, are, are, how how do you deal with that as an administrator and how do you deal with that as a teacher to try to get more housing available? Yeah, so we just keep kind of like our tentacles open and we're all very connected. So like Samantha said, the nice thing about Nantucket is we really care for and watch out and help each other. So there are many teachers who have um, if they're older and they have a home, they have extra rooms, they always save them for a potentially new teacher. Um, there are a few people in the um, community that will only rent to teachers because then come June, teachers can go and they can have a summer rental or they themselves can come and live in the home during the summer. But we really just sort of work together. There's a couple of realtors that work with our central office too. So there's always that sort of like hand on what's out there and what's going on and what might be a safe and comfortable place. Got it. So um, for, so we're gonna wrap it up soon, but I wanna hear about um, any, any inspiring stories that have come out of this time for you? Anything that comes to mind? Mm. Either one of you? Um, so I've, during the, I'm a very emotional person and I, you know, during the typical school year, I 
cry and laugh over everything. And I've truly laughed now more than I ever have because, you know, it's a student and I, all we have is a screen and the things that they say or notice, you know, the first couple of weeks was they would take the device and go through their house and I'd have to do the same, go through my house. What's that? What's this? So it's really just been every single day has been, you know, a new surprise, something funny that comes up. But um, I think one of the best things that I was calling a quarantine miracle was one of my students um, had pet parakeets and one of them had passed away at the beginning of the school year and then the other passed away um, right at the beginning of quarantine. And, you know, he's an only child um, and he was heartbroken. He would come to the whole group Zooms just crying, could only, um, you know, talk about how they were, they had passed on and we were all heartbroken. Then I happened to see in our tiny quirky community Facebook that a woman had parakeets who had babies. So I was like, oh my gosh, you know, so I got in touch with this mom and I'm like, you know, do you guys want new parakeets? And she's like, yes, but we can't go off island. And I'm like, of course, you know. So I jump on this parakeet waiting list and the woman's like, unfortunately, they're all taken, you know, they're all spoken for. So I'm bummed out. And then weeks later, all of a sudden she messaged me, are you, are you still interested? I have two parakeets left. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes. And you know, the, the classroom teacher I work with, we went and picked him up and we're all, you know, we're wearing our masks and we got to deliver them to him and do this quarantine handoff. And it was just truly the most magical thing. He was so happy and mom kept oh. sending pictures and it kind of, it was a quarantine miracle. That so. is amazing. And what about you, Kim? Do you have something that sticks out for you? That's awesome. Yeah. yeah that's um, <laughs> I think I, I think just mostly just um, watching the comfort of people as they like come together a little bit more on screen. I I've been really surprised. There's this little guy who would not talk to me at all. Um, not that I'm with children every day, but I try to see as many as I can daily. Um, but now that he's on screen, his like personality is bigger than life. In the mix of his kids, his friends at school, he kind of waits and he's a little shy. I feel like the spotlight went right on him as soon as the camera came on. And, and I'm, I'm so hopeful to see him and others like him when we go That's back to school. And hopefully that'll be sort of the new for them. That's amazing. And I've heard a lot of stories about kids coming out of their shell with this. Well, this has been so lovely to talk to you. I, Nantucket is my happy place. I love it so much there. I think the world should know about Nantucket. So I'm so thrilled to have two wonderful, an administrator and a teacher on to talk about life out there. So thank you both for being on the podcast. Um, I really appreciate it. And uh, if you know, and if people are listening and you're interested in being on the podcast, you know, just find me through warriorsofeducation.com. Thank you guys so much. Thank Thanks, you. Karen. It was great. This has been the Warriors of Education podcast, dedicated to all the hardworking teachers across this country. We hear you. We see you. We honor you. Thank you.